0: Everyone, welcome back to the Working Collective. I'm here with my great friend Kat. My name is Andrew Mullins, and this is the Working Collective where we look at different vocations and experiences that create unique conversations around what we do and why. So, from pastor to tech producer to accountant and to social worker, and everything in between, each interview takes on the personality of our guest and their unique story. So, this is the Working Collective, and I'm here with my great friend Kat, who is all the way out in Texas. Um, So Kat, thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. So Kat, tell us uh, how we know each other.
1: Well, uh, we both went to UM, but I don't think we went at the same time. I think you graduated right before I started. Um, But I ended up in some science classes because that was what my major was. It was marine science. Um, And so I was doing biology and chemistry. And I ran into this girl named Lauren, who I ended up... uh, actually rooming with for a year uh and it turns out you and Lauren are married so
0: yes turns out we are
1: (laughs) (laughs) so that's kind of how I met you for the longest time you were just like this person that existed somewhere else that I only heard of like this (laughs) mysterious Andrew person through Lauren until I finally met you eventually later down the road
0: (laughs) and some context there is my wife Lauren and I Uh, We Before we were married, we dated long distance for two and a half years, and Kat was a great friend to Lauren and still is and was a great encouragement to both of us uh, through when we were dating and uh, when we actually got to see each other in person and things like that. So uh, I always value Kat for what she did for us in that beginning stages of our relationship. So appreciate that. Um, But uh, yeah, so Kat, thank you again for being on. Tell us more about you, more about just where you're from what you do, and uh, kind of your just basic biography.
1: Yeah, um, so I am originally from Branson, Missouri, which nobody is from Branson. Everybody's (laughs) been there, but nobody's from there, Um, so that's where I'm from. Um, I grew up there um, and kind of got into um, like sharks and fish and stuff like that, which is a weird thing to like when you're from Missouri, Um, and so kind of as I was growing up, I really got into that. And then my mom is actually from Alabama. um, And so we would go down to visit her family all the time. We were only a few hours from Atlanta. We'd go to the Atlanta Aquarium. um, And I just got really into all of that. And so then um, when I was graduating from high school, I was like, I wanna go into this as a career um, and found myself looking for colleges. I knew my mom would be moving back to Alabama after I graduated. So I was looking for colleges kind of in Alabama had marine science, something like that, so that I didn't go too far from home, but also was still, you know, could do what I wanted to do, Um, and the only college in Alabama that offers marine science that is also a Christian university is the University of Mobile, Um, and that is how I ended up down there, Um, and kind of amongst all of that, I got into wildlife rehabilitation, and now I'm a wildlife rehabilitator doing sea turtles and shorebirds.
0: Wow, stuff that I... (laughs) never uh, took the time to really learn in high school and college because I took uh, meteorology and food science to get my (laughs) degree. And uh, so more power to you, Kat. But yeah, that's really cool. And that is the number one reason uh, besides uh, just you uh, that I wanted to bring you on the podcast because you have such a unique job and uh, I Mm -hmm. wanted to talk and pick your brain about what you do and why you do it. So, so for you, Uh, And you can enlighten the whole world that listens to this. Uh, What does a normal day in your work look like?
1: Well, uh, first of all, there's no such thing. Um, (laughs) Every day is completely different. Like you have a routine, but you have to be prepared for everything to change at a moment's notice. Um, So basically, I mean, the general idea is that you go in in the morning, you immediately start cutting up fish and rat and feeding all the animals. (laughs) Wow. Um, giving out meds <laughs> as you go, uh, cleaning up a lot of poop, uh, just basically doing all the disgusting things that have to be done to take care of so many animals. Um, but mostly feeding, medication, cleaning, laundry, dishes, more feeding, more <laughs> cleaning. <laughs> wow! It so-, so. It sounds really exciting, like in theory, when everyone talks about like all the rescues and like going out and like saving a sea turtle from whatever yeah. or saving a pelican with a broken wing um and then you get to release them and that's also really cool but in between there's just days and days of laundry and dishes
0: <laughs> yeah wow well that's still really cool though uh because at least you get to scoop poop from a turtle i mean no one else gets
1: right that, so <laughs> it's a lot more interesting than other options
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh for your job it does sound like there is sort of this uh I mean, you have a schedule obviously because you're, you're you're dealing with with life here and, and living right. things and uh, so you can't just like do uh, a specific task once and it'd be good for the day but uh, uh, it would be it'd be detrimental to the health of those animals obviously so for you would you describe uh, yourself as more of a, a regimented person because of this job or would you still say that maybe you're a go with the flow type person and you' just at this job, you're that way. Talk more about that.
1: Yeah, um, so I think in like the sphere of the job, you have to be really go with the flow because you'll be in the middle of doing your schedule and somebody will call and be like, hey, you need to go get this Pelican off the beach like right now. And then you'll spend two <laughs> hours trying to catch a Pelican on the beach and looking like an idiot the whole time. Um, so there's just no there's just no real schedule at work, um, but I myself am more of like a scheduled person Because if I just go with the flow all the time, I'll absolutely lose my mind. Um, So I try to like make up for not having a schedule at work by being pretty scheduled outside of work. Um, Just because if I don't, I won't stay disciplined at all. Um, I'll just be all over the place.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's helpful because that I believe there is a balance to that too. Because I think for me personally, I would have a lot of struggle in a, in that, going to be like where it's a a regimented job all the time boom 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 and then I would my gut reaction would be like I I don't want to do anything I'm done I I just want to go sit and stare at a wall uh for until I have to go to work the next day but I think (laughs) having that balance there can help your brain I think decompress in a way too because there is there is a there is a heightened sense of of urgency with these types of work that you do and Uh, helping kind of rehabilitate these, these, uh, these animals and things like that. So that's, that's really cool. So here's a unique question, maybe. uh, And I'm excited for your answer, maybe uh, a little, or maybe I'm just, uh, I'm curious to what your answer will be. So, so for you, what would your industry describe as success in your field?
1: Yeah. um, So I think, as like individuals people in my field would say that success is if you manage to get a permanent full-time job Um, there is a lot of temporary seasonal and like internships in this field but there's really not a lot of permanent full-time stuff so any person that can like hold down a permanent full-time gig is doing great in this field
0: I didn't even Um, that was a thing
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of people that will just we call it intern hopping and it's basically they just go from one internship to another because at least they're getting paid something as long as you get the right internship. And at least some of them provide some housing. so You have somewhere to live for a couple months. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if you can't ever really get that full time job or even a part time job, then then a lot of people do that. And that is kind of, you know, that's frowned upon. (laughs) Not the biggest thing. (laughs) Um, But then as like a bigger organizational type standard, I would say that success, unfortunately, for a lot of them is kind of your rates of release, I would say. Um, So people will, there are certain organizations that will put a lot of emphasis on number of intakes versus number of releases and count that as like a success if that's a good ratio, Um, which is kind of unfortunate because in this field, I mean, their their animals and their wildlife. And so I God kind of made them not to want to be caught. Um, So if they are in bad enough shape to be caught a lot of times, the kindest thing to do is just euthanize them. Mm. Um, And that, you know, turns your success numbers down. Um, And so sometimes the better thing to do for the animal isn't the thing that a lot of rehabs want to do because they want their numbers to go up.
0: Interesting. That is that's really interesting. So Tell me what failure looks like in your, in that.
1: Um, people would probably say either you have a bad success rate. So you're either euthanizing or you're just losing a lot of animals um, or they would say um, not being accredited. Cause there are several, you know, institutions that will give accreditation to facilities like mine. Um, but costs a lot of money to do that. And not a lot of facilities are very well funded. I mean, we, most most of them kind of rely entirely on public donation um, to function and so you know there's not a lot of room in that budget for let's get an accreditation Um, right so I think that that could be considered a failure you know if you're not accredited by the big thing if you don't have the big name if you don't have the community funding or the backing that you really need um, I think that several places would consider that a failure
0: yeah I can definitely see how that's really tough to to run an organization that way, with funds and different things, and uh, I mean, you have rules and regulations and laws in place too, and you're still trying to help save some same save some animals too. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me more, because just because I'm curious, tell me more about the funding aspect. Are grants involved? Is it mostly just public donations? Is it? Uh, yeah, just talk more about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, so different facilities will work in different ways. Um, the one that I'm currently working at. Um, is actually funded by the University of Texas which is really nice because um, that gives us a lot of a lot of money to work with We also have our own um, our own kind of privately run um, organization that's on the side it's just a nonprofit that gets does a lot of fundraisers for us and then funnels the money into um, our account which is really nice So we are doing really well and we get a lot of public donations as well because we have a really really tight community that um, is very helpful with our mission and so that's really nice. Um, a lot of facilities also will do a lot of that public outreach to get that money. Um, some, A lot of people do get grants as well. We have gotten several grants, especially because um, several years ago, we, know we had um, that big hurricane. Hurricane Harvey came through Texas, um, yeah. and there have been several grants that we have gotten from that um, that we were using to try and build some new buildings, um, which we desperately need. (laughs) Um, but then, you know, different organizations will do different things. The one that I was working at before this one, um, was actually run, um, in conjunction with the city, um, that it was in. So we were funded by the city and that was also very nice (laughs) because that meant that funding was secure. (laughs) So everybody's different, but mostly public donations, grants, things of that nature.
0: Okay. That's helpful. So getting back to more of you and, and you, uh, what you do and why you do it. Uh, I've, as you probably may have seen on as a theme on this podcast, I've kind of defined influence more, uh, in the short term, maybe in the, in the smaller scope. So for you, what are some core motivations or, or key driving factors for you? And so what, what makes you get up in the morning to go save these animals and rehabilitate them and and be a part of that, uh, process for them?
1: Yeah. uh, so, I would say for me, kind of the thing that has kept me going through this, because I will be honest, like it sounds really cool. It is really cool. I love my job, um, but it it can be really difficult um, just to do that for days and days on end. Um, So for me, kind of what I have kind of clung to is this idea that um, obviously God created the animals and the world, and he's asked us to steward it really well. Um, And so this is kind of my way of stewarding creation, um, is by trying to rehabilitate the animals that um, we've been placed here to care for. Um, And so that's something that, for me, really helps me keep going. Um, And then in addition to that, um, what I have found is that a lot of people in this field are not Christians. I've met a handful of believers in my time here um, and in my time in various different um, centers and Um, so the thing that I found really for them that kind of communicates a difference, um, between just people living their lives and people living their lives for Christ is your work ethic and how you're willing to work and how you're willing to serve the other people in your job. Um, and so for me, I, I try to go in every day and just be as humble and as serving as I can, um, so that I can communicate the love of Christ to my coworkers through that.
0: So that's that's really cool. So for you, uh, a core motivation would be your faith. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, hearing that is really uh, helpful because I know that in the science world as a a whole, it's a little bit uh, touch and go, I would say. As as a believer, I know that can be challenging, but I also know that uh, it doesn't always have to be. Um, It really it's really just having those conversations of openness and honesty with people and, uh, and looking at creation from a a biblical worldview. So that's really helpful. Um, And so my next question leads into, and you've kind of already touched on this a little bit and feel free to talk about this more. Uh, So how does your job have an impact in your community? So does your, is your job, uh, how, how does it interact with the community and how does it have that impact with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's huge in the community. Um, everybody around here for the most part is either families or um, retired people that are here for the winter or just here permanently. Um, and they have lots of spare time to run around and find uh, pelicans with broken wings <laughs> and seagulls that aren't walking and whatever else they find. Um, and they will call us all the time. And they I mean, everybody here knows everybody that works at the ARC. Um, <laughs> Yeah. They know who our faces. They know our names. They know everything about us. I mean, I, I moved into, I live in, in an RV. And so I moved into this park when I got here about three months ago. And like three weeks later, I was in the laundry room doing my laundry. And this lady that I had not met yet walks in and goes, hi, you're Catherine, you work at the arc, right? And I was <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Yes and she was like did you guys get that pelican with the broken wing that i saw on facebook yesterday and i was like i don't i don't know it's my day <laughs> off i wasn't there <laughs> so yeah we're we're um we are very kind of integrated into our community and they are super supportive of us and the work that we're doing and they're always trying to help us out um we just had that really big ice storm that kind of covered texas and all that craziness and right. i know a lot of people have Heard about that, and heard about probably the cold stun turtles that we had. Um, we cared for about fifteen hundred of those, um, which was a ridiculous amount. We have five staff members, so if that tells you how that how that went. It was uh, not the best week, but it was super cool. Um, and we had people. I mean, we said the word, and we had people bringing us, I don't know, everything that we could ever need, just in bags, dropping it off on the porch, like. I was like, it's, there's ice on the roads. How are y'all going to CVS right now? Like, where did this all come from? Um, But it was super cool to see that kind of support from them.
0: That's great. So uh, tell me more about how your job has a lasting significance uh, in general, in your community, however you want to phrase it. um, Just talk more about the lasting significance of your job.
1: Uh, So specifically, I would say working with, seagulls I mean the birds are cool too birds aren't really my thing so the seagulls to me are the sea turtles to me kind of make more sense Um, but as far as like the sea turtles go I mean every species of sea turtle is endangered Um, and here in Texas we have a lot of Kemp's Ridley sea turtles which are the most endangered out of all the sea turtles Um, and so being able to rehabilitate and put back into the wild, any one of them that would have died on its own is a huge help to the species as a whole. Um, and so I would say that, you know, lasting significance, is just, it just, I mean, it's the survival of a species um, that we're kind of being able to help happen um, by helping get these sea turtles back into good health and back in the water.
0: Cool. So for you, you in the simple act of rehabilitating and caring for these animals, it's ultimately rooted in, Your worldview and your faith, uh, as, as a, as a Christian being a a good steward of the creation that God has given you and uh, the responsibility that you have over that small little section uh, of that creation. So I think that's really cool. And that's really helpful for people to uh, be able to understand and not see it as this kind of far-fetched job and, but really understand like, no, this is just me caring for what God has in front of me. So that's really awesome. Um, how would you say that your work influences your life?
1: Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, I, that's all I do, I feel like. <laughs> um, the, yeah, the thing about working in rehab um, is just that there, there isn't a set schedule. Um, so as much as I want it to be a leave it at work kind of thing, which I try to do as much as possible, like it's gonna go home with you one way or another. Like I keep, like I keep a net in my car. I'm ready to go pick up something anytime that I have to. Um, I mean, people are gonna call in the middle of the night and say, hey, like we found a sea turtle on the beach. Um, we're bringing it to the Ark and I'll be like, all right, and I'll be there in a few minutes. Um, so it just, I mean, it's kind of just the whole thing. Like it's really, rehab is more of a lifestyle than it is a job. Um, so you have to be kind of prepared for that constant 24 seven schedule.
0: Gotcha. Hey, that's great. I think that's awesome, uh, and I've uh, every time I've, I I learn about what you're doing, I applaud you from afar, and I'm so glad that you're doing it uh, because I think it is it is helpful and uh, it is meaningful uh, for what you're doing, um, and I think that it does take a special person like yourself to be able to do this job, and and like you said, it's more than a job. And as I've just learned in this short conversation we're having, that uh, it takes a lot. Um, so you, you're doing a great job. Um, uh, so tell me more, now that we've talked more about the, the short uh, and, or smaller scope, let's talk about more uh, wide scope and more and long-term, uh, kind of getting back to your roots, maybe. Uh, who is one person that has had the greatest impact on you and your definition of how you approach your work and everyday life and relationships, et cetera? Who's that one person for you?
1: Oh gosh. Um, that is a really hard question because I feel like it's not just like one person. It's like a bunch of people throughout my life that taught me different little things. Okay. Um, so I would say like, as far as like work ethic and how I work, um, I would say probably my mom and my grandparents more than anybody, they were the people that were like, Hey, you're going to leave for work 30 minutes earlier than you think you need to leave for work. That way, if you get a flat tire on the way, you can change it and still make it to work on time. Um, they were those kind of people. Um, So I really learned how I should be expected to work um, and how to work really well um, from them. And then there were other people just all over the place who taught me, I mean, between like teachers in high school and mentors at UM and friends and family and everybody, just how, um, how to integrate um, kind of living your regular life with a mindset of, I am a Christ follower, and I'm going to use my platform that I am working um, with today to influence for the gospel. Especially, I'm going to, you know, make a shout out to Rusty Roberts real quick, who always says that you are strategically exactly where you are for the gospel. Um, So anywhere you find yourself, whether that's at work, um, in line, at the coffee shop, you know, at lunch, whatever, like you're there for a reason, for a purpose, and it's for the purpose of the sake of the gospel. So,
0: that's really great. That's really powerful. Um, so, would you say that there's a defining moment in your life that would encapsulate your worldview, your view of legacy, and your goals and things like that?
1: Um, I would say for me, I did have kind of this one moment um, where I was doing my unpaid internship um, at a sea turtle facility in North Carolina. Um, and that was probably the worst summer of my life. It was horrible. <laughs> Um, kind of the mantra of this field is overworked and underpaid and that was uh, that was like the definition of that job Mm -hmm. Um, it was bad time I was living in a house with nine other unbelievers they were crazy we were all crazy nobody got along we were working (laughs) 14 hours a day with each other 80 hours a week it was nuts for 12 weeks and basically at one point near the end of the summer um, me and this other girl were doing a treatment on a turtle. It was kind of quiet for the first time in ever. And she just kind of looks up at me and she goes, you never complain about how horrible this job is. Why do you not do that? And I was like, hey, <laughs> well, there's this verse in Philippians. <laughs> and I don't know, that was kind of a moment where I was like, this is this is why, you know, I'm kind of doing what I'm doing and how, why I'm doing it that way, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think that's exactly what I've been looking for on this podcast is talking to people like you about why you or what you do and why you do it. So that's super helpful. Um, and even though in the in maybe the darkest of circumstances, uh, you you kind of find your route back to, to your faith in that. So I think that's really helpful for people. So uh, looking ahead for you, what legacy do you hope to leave and how do you work actively towards leaving that legacy? whether that is with sea turtles or or with your faith or anything else you can you can talk about that as much as you want
1: um I personally have never really been in the camp where like I really just want to be like the most important like best known whoever or whatever in my field um that's not really ever been my aim um and that's not because I you know think I'm like better more (laughs) humble than anybody else it's just because I don't like people knowing who I am Um, but um, I would say that as far as legacy goes I think if I can just be um, the person that for anyone whether they you know whether they ever come to Christ or whether they live the rest of their lives you know in as unbelievers and do whatever they do I just want the people that I work with to know like she was different and I want to know why she was different and I want to know why she did the things the way she did. And I just want them to like, think about that. Just leave a little pebble in their shoe at Kyle.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think that is uh, truly uh, the essence of your work ethic and how you've approached uh, all the things that you've talked about on here and, and everything else you've done in life. So I think that just sums up you uh, in such a great way. Uh, so looking ahead for uh, you again, uh, what else are you working on right now? It could be anything. Or are you just wow. working on sea turtles and birds?
1: <laughs> I'm doing a lot of that. Um, I don't know. It's a silly one. But really right now, the only thing I'm doing other than working is trying to find the best coffee in this area. I yeah. haven't done it yet. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's my only goal right now. Best coffee in Corpus Christi. If anybody is listening and knows of a good one, let me know.
0: Yeah, let us know. Because I you. have no idea. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I'll forward them on to you, Kat.
1: Um, oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> so
0: here's a final question just to kind of leave you. Uh, if you could do any job uh, from 200 years ago, what would you do and why? And I have to credit this to our last guest, Patrick Sams, on episode two uh, for uh, getting this question to me. So if you could do any job from 200 years ago, What would you do and why
1: oh gosh I don't know um oh gosh 200 years ago I guess I don't know maybe something with like I feel like they had really cool like they had the boats that like actually sailed not like real boats now that just like have motors and cool stuff like I would want to be on one of those cool boats and like actually sail and be on the ocean and that would be pretty sick
0: yeah maybe uh go find a new island somewhere and live exactly
1: (laughs) yeah exactly that's my dream (laughs)
0: Well, that's great. Hey, Kat, I thank you so much for being on. Uh, you have uh, given me a lot to think about, and I've learned so much from you uh, just in this short uh, few minutes that we've talked together. Um, but uh, just as a reminder, The Working Collective uh, is a podcast that showcases different vocations and experiences that create unique conversations around what we do and why. Since no two people have the same experience, each interview takes on the personality of our guest and this, uh, and their story. And so this is the working collective. So thank you, Kat, for being on, uh, today.
1: For sure. Thank you again.
0: All right. Well, thank you again for listening and we will see you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.